Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. Well, for those of you who are on the Gregorian calendar, both East and West, we're entering, I guess what you would say, the ordinary time, and I mean that in a couple of ways. But as I always say on this program, things are never ordinary in that sense in the church, especially in the life of the church, in the way God reveals himself through us and through the church. It's never really ordinary. What I mean by ordinary, though, is the high, high holy days are now basically beyond us. We've come through now even Pentecost, and we're into the week-to-week, day-to-day type of schedule in the liturgical calendar. It is, of course, punctuated with many feast days and holy days, so there's always something exciting going on. But life itself is not so-called ordinary in the church. And in fact, I just had a very extraordinary experience recently. I'm going to share some of that with you because there's a certain point to that a certain message that I want to convey to you on this program today. My extraordinary experience was the fact that I was invited to be a speaker at the World Congress on Families. Now, that in itself is extraordinary and humbling. But also what was extraordinary is where this event took place and what happened and what I witnessed and saw. It took place in a little city, which is actually a big city for that country. It's called Tbilisi in the country of Georgia. And the country of Georgia is south of Russia and north of Turkey. It is also surrounded by Azerbaijan and also Armenia. It's between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea, basically. It is the gem of the Caucasus, the Caucasus mountain region in that area, a bit of a gateway between Europe and Asia. It's probably not a country you heard much about. However, ironically, The very weekend that I returned from my trip to Georgia, there was on CNN 
a special about Tbilisi, Georgia, where I was. In fact, I'd just gotten done sharing some of my experience with my parishioners, as I am doing here with you, and they informed me that that very night, on Sunday night, was a special on that very country. So, can't help but see something providential in this. There were many things providential, actually, about my trip. And I'm sharing it with you not because I want to bore you with a travelogue of my personal vacation or something like that. This was not a vacation, although it certainly was a most remarkably enjoyable time, a perfect trip, an inspiring trip. Sharing my trip with you is basically sharing a profound witness of so much of what our program is about here in light of the East, about the riches of both lungs of the church, East and West, about unity, and in particular, the richness, the genius of the eastern lung of the church, especially its sacramental liturgical worldview. As I mentioned, I went to give a talk, be part of many speakers from all around the world at this World Congress on the Families. And this organization, I was very proud and humbled to be invited to be a part of because they are, in a very wonderful way, a pushback a pushback against what are the encroachments of some of the ideologies that we have floating around today, and they've been around for a while, which seek to dismantle the very order of God's creation, especially in terms of human sexuality, you know, the areas of marriage, family, male, female. And the World Congress on Families is just that. It's dedicated to affirming God's plan for the world, for creation, for humanity. In other words, traditional marriage and family, and to stand up against and to be aware of those threats against traditional family. Again, traditional family is about God's order of creation. So any threat to that is a threat to God's order of creation. If you threaten family, human sexuality, human relationships, you're threatening the order of creation, the very heart of it. So I was very humbled and proud to be connected with this organization of the World Congress on Families. Many speakers from all around the world, I was just one of them. So it gave a wonderful impression and a wonderful bit of information about what's happening in the rest of the world and how some of the ideologies that seek to destroy God's order of creation, the ideologies that are anything but sacramental, are pervasive throughout the world. But there are people who are standing up against it. It's not just about being militant or negative, quite the opposite. It's about being positive. It's about affirming the truth of God's order of creation, but at the same time being very vigilant about the attacks to that order of creation. Now, what was amazing about my experience, or many things were amazing about it, was the experience of this culture of Georgia and of the church. And I use those words in the same breath. In our modern Western culture, we have enshrined this separation of church and state as though it were some lofty, lofty virtue almost as if it was the 11th commandment. Yes, there is definitely a certain wisdom in a separation of church and state. But what do we mean by that? That's the key. It's always about what do we mean by words, the real meaning of words. Separation of church and state does not mean we relegate the practice of our faith to the four corners of our private church, and it has no bearing in the rest of the culture. That is not separation of church and state. What separation of church and state really means is that the state, it's more of a caution for the state. The state cannot be overbearing or prejudicial or persecute the church, faith, religion, 
So really that phrase, separation of church and state, really means something more for the state than for the church. We've kind of flipped it around in our culture. But in the country of Georgia, that separation of church and state, it hardly exists. And I mean this in a very good way. Now, to fuse church and state can be very problematic. And we see the history of the church, both east and west, as giving testimony to that. There are times when emperors chose popes and popes chose emperors and so on, in both the eastern and western lungs of the church. And we have to look at those things in the context of their times, but in our day and age, we look at that as being very, very precarious, you know, not something we really want to do. So I admit that there is a value in a so-called separation of church and state, but we have to be very careful about what we mean by that. In the country of Georgia, the church is very, very dynamic. It is very, very prominent. It influences the culture. The culture is the church. The church is the culture. And I think one of the reasons why the church and the fervent faith that I saw there was so strong is because these people suffer for their faith. And that always strengthens a faith, like gold in the furnace, like St. Paul says. Somehow, when the faith is attacked, when you have to suffer for it, it becomes deeper and richer. And these people did suffer for it. They suffered in a number of ways, most recently under Soviet domination, you know, the atheistic Soviet government. But this little country of Georgia, which only has about 5 million people in it, in fact, the city of Tbilisi, the capital, is only has about well, maybe a little over a million people. They are fighting on three fronts. Radical Islam, the leftover ambitions of the Soviet Union, and thirdly, and perhaps the greatest front, is the non-sacramental Marxist, anti-God's order creation ideologies that are being spawned and spread by Western cultures, such as ours. It's the moral relativism is what I'm talking about, and the tyranny of the PC, the politically correct culture that we are laboring under in the Western world more and more, with greater and greater ferocity. The country of Georgia respects and loves Western countries. They are very pro-Western, but they're very upfront because they're very steeped in their faith. They're very upfront about their resentment to the West about its importing these ideologies, this political correctness, this ideologies that essentially are harming family, harming marriage and family. So this country is standing up alone against these three fronts. As I mentioned, they love the West, they're very pro-West, but at the same time, they do caution the West not to bring these ideologies into their culture. And they're very strong about it. They're very upfront about it. The church in Georgia, as I experienced it, now, we have to remember now, Georgia is a country that is 85% Orthodox. Now, there was a dominant church there is not Catholic, it is Orthodox. There was a little bit of Catholic, a little bit of Muslim, a little bit of everything there, but very little. It is 85% Orthodox. They are proud of it, and you can see very clearly how the church and the state really are intertwined, but in a good way, in the best way, not in the bad way. There is a bad way for church and state to be enmeshed in each other, and we've learned from history that that's not good. But this is in a very good way. In other words, it's what the popes have talked about, especially in recent history, Pope Benedict XVI, where you talk about how the church is to inform the state, inform the reasoning and the legislative processes of the state, so that things in the state you know, by the government, are indeed benevolent and fair, according to God's design, according to the true definition of the human person. 
and of institutions and what they're for, like education, government, and the church, and also the family. So the church has a place close to government as informing and influencing government in the best way, not being enmeshed in government. And there's a very wonderful example of that in this little country of Georgia, one of the best kept secrets of my life and maybe of yours. And I'm gonna talk more about what I experienced there when I return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's taborlife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. I'm sharing with you my experience of the church and of the culture in the country. Notice I say all those together in one breath, purposely. I'm sharing my experience of the country, and in particular the city, Tbilisi, Georgia. As I mentioned, I was there as a speaker, invited to be a speaker, along with many others from around the world, at the World Congress on Families. The experience of the church that I had there was absolutely inspiring. The church, as I mentioned, is orthodox there, and it follows the Byzantine orthodoxy. In other words, the Byzantine style of worship and liturgy, which is the same perspective that I come from, only I am an Eastern Catholic, a Byzantine Catholic. In the services of these churches, the people would come into the church, and the churches were open all day, and they were vibrant. They were alive. People would come into those churches Women would come in, their heads were covered with scarves, their dresses were modest, they were below the knees, and they would come in with the greatest of reverence into the church. They would bow, pray, light a candle, and they would go around the church and kiss every icon 
either with their lips or they'd put a kiss on their hand, their fingers, and touch the icon. And they would pray before every icon. And there were all kinds of people, especially young people. I was particularly impressed by the women because I could see many of the women were looked to me like professional women. Many of them were absolutely beautiful. They looked like movie stars. And yet they had this great humility, this great piety about them. And in fact, when people would walk by the churches, they would stop on their way, bow to the church, say the sign of the cross, and say a prayer. And they did this very reverently. It was very purposeful. They stopped. I mean, they really stopped, paused, bowed to the church, did the sign of the cross, said a prayer, and then moved on. They didn't just very quickly say the sign of the cross as they kept walking. They stopped dead in their tracks as they passed the churches and then would continue on. As people came in and out of the churches, there was almost always a service going on, beautiful chanting. And in fact, I was attending the services, and one of the services in particular, the evening Vesper service on Saturday night, took two hours. It went on for two hours, and in those churches, as is traditional, really, in authentic Eastern churches, there are hardly any pews or chairs. They mostly have benches along the walls for the elderly or those who must sit. But standing is the correct and traditional posture at Eastern services, and it's very open because there's processions. There's a lot of movement, a lot of activity. People can light candles and move about during the service. In other words, you're not sitting there in a very staid, complacent way, a very passive way. You're actually very active. You're also passive in certain ways in the liturgy as well. So people are coming in during the service. It's actually very orderly, even though there's lots of motion. At the same time, it's very orderly. It's very dynamic. It's very organic, very Byzantine, very timeless. And in fact, no one had any sense of time. These services went on for a long time. As I mentioned, an evening service was two hours. But people were there the whole time. They were there before. They were there after. At the end of the Vesper service, the priest turned to the people and he announced, he said, tomorrow, Sunday, our services will begin at nine o'clock with the morning prayer, and then we'll have the liturgy, the Eucharistic liturgy. And for those of you who are going to communion, I highly recommend that you first go to confession. And our services will conclude tomorrow, probably somewhere around noon. Now I'm going to pause here and let you gasp. That's right. You counted it. Three hours. Three hours. But for them, three hours is nothing. I attended the service. And it did go on for three hours. It's not that I was time conscious, because I'm not as a Byzantine. I'm used to that. I'm time conscious only for our purposes here, because I want to communicate to you, my whole message to you today in this program, is to share with you the gift of the level of piety and zeal and faith of fellow Christians in a far-off land, in the gem of the Caucasus region, this country of Georgia. I want you to understand what I experienced and to learn from the example of others what true zeal is, what a true appreciation of faith and church and liturgy is and prayer. These people had absolutely no sense of time whatsoever. During the weekday, I would also attend services there. This was in between the conference that I was attending. And I attended a weekday Vespers. Now that went on for a good length of time as well, although I don't know exactly how long. When I first approached the church, I was lured in there by the chanting, beautiful chanting. I walked in, only happily to see the Vesper service going on. This was a Friday evening. It was being chanted by a scola of women in beautiful harmony. People coming in, lighting candles, bowing, praying. 
And what they would do there, because the churches have services that are so rich and lengthy, that the priests actually noticed they sort of took turns and took shifts. <laughs> One priest at the altar leading a service, and I'd see him disappear. Another priest would take his place, and the first priest would walk about the church, blessing people, being with them, hearing confessions, then even walked outside in the plaza, blessing people, hearing confessions, counseling. As the service ended, the cantors struck up a whole other service. That's right. It was like ongoing liturgy in these churches. So alive, so dynamic, so sincere. And I'm standing there in absolute awe of all this, and I see the priest motioning to me. I thought to myself, me? I'm a stranger. I'm just a visitor. Why would he even notice me? So he motions me to come up front. And I came up towards the area that would be what we would call a sacristy. In other words, to the side of the main sanctuary, there was a raised area there, a bit enclosed. I noticed a lot of times the priest would be sitting up there, talking to people, confidentially, hearing confessions, blessing. He motioned me to come up there. I didn't exactly know what was going on, so I came up there, and he tells me to sit down. I sat down, and several women, with just faces aglow, with so much warmth and welcome, started bringing me out plates of food and wine. And they invited me to eat the food and drink the wine right there in the church in between the services. And they explained to me with faces aglow that they are Christians. And this is what they believe is how Christians act. That they share hospitality with everyone, especially with guests and visitors. And in fact, the priest said to me when I told him who I was, he said, oh, you're just a visitor from another country. I actually thought maybe you were even Georgian. And after having that food, a little bit of wine, I almost wished I could have said to him, oh, yes, I am Georgian. <laughs> and my wine glass was half full, and they kept filling it. This is all during the time that I was in church, in between the services, maybe during the services, I don't remember which, because they all seemed to fuse together. The life, the movement, the rhythm, the lighting of candles, the hospitality, the prayer, the chant, and as a priest myself, and especially as a pastor, I was so impressed. I was most impressed, not only with that beautiful hospitality, but I was most impressed by how the priests, as pastors, were truly, truly father. They made themselves absolutely present to their people all day long. They just hung out at the church. It was amazing because I would pass that church several times. I would go to some of the services, and in between, when I had to attend the Congress, I would still walk by the church. I'd peek in, say a prayer and so on. And always there was something going on of a reverential nature. There was always a priest available talking with people, blessing children, offering counsel, hearing confession, praying the services. And in fact, on Sunday... There was a liturgy going on in the church, and this particular church was St. George. It was in downtown Tbilisi. There was, at the same time, a liturgy going on in the lower level of the church. They had a whole other church in the lower level. So they had simultaneous liturgies going on because there were so many people. And it was just incredible. And also, as I mentioned, what impressed me, in particular was the modesty and the piety of the women. And, and I'm going to emphasize that women looked every bit as modern, as professional, as women 
would be in a modern Western culture such as ours. And there was a cross-section. You had your old, as we would call them in the Byzantine church, old pious bubbas, you know, the elderly women with babushkas that were always there in church, constantly praying and cleaning. And you had all the way from the older ones to the youngest ones who were, I could tell, were probably just as hip as any American girl. But in that church, it was all about God for them. It wasn't about their bodies or their styles, their hair or other people. It was about God. And you could tell it was clear, it was palpable, and it was inspiring. There are other services in which they had scolas of men. In fact, sometimes a couple of them, they would stand on either side of the church and they would do the responses in an alternating way. One scola on one side of the church during the response and then alternating with the scola on the other side of the church in magnificent harmony. And then as part of our activities there, part of the Congress and also part of the culture, the Orthodox Patriarch of Georgia was able to declare for the whole country a day of family. And we all gathered together in one of the town squares and we went on a 5K walk, a procession behind an icon of the Mother of God up a grand hill. There were many hills there. It's a beautiful, beautiful country, hilly, mountainous. We went up the grand hill to the cathedral, which crowns the magnificent panorama of that wonderful, gorgeous city of Tbilisi, Georgia. And we concluded our march there, our march in favor of family, a march behind an icon, And we concluded our prayer there in the great cathedral, the cathedral of the Holy Trinity in Tbilisi, Georgia, where we all prayed together with the patriarch, the revered patriarch of the Georgian Orthodox Church of the country of Georgia. There was so much more I will share with you because the experience was life-changing. It was inexhaustible. And I just hope that what I have shared with you here might help to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your own faith whether from the eastern or western lung of the church. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.